The greatest gift in history is the gift of God's only Son, Jesus Christ. I know that's not like breaking news to any of you. But I just want to go back and capture it again. There has never been a greater gift than God giving His only begotten Son. That whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but would have eternal life. For God didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. The greatest gift ever given. The greatest gift ever given. No other gift matters if that one wasn't given. No other gift matters if that wasn't given. Because of Christ's gift of Himself, every good and perfect gift is available to us. Everything our life needs is embedded in that gift of Jesus. Everything we have need of is embedded in the fact that His Son was given. Born of a virgin. Grew up among us. Walked in our steps. Felt our pain. Bled our blood. Paid our price. Took our place. Every other gift. Every other good thing we ever need. All the good gifts that are from the Father above come through Christ Jesus. Here's what James says about it. James 1.17, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good thing in our lives is made possible by the ultimate gift of Jesus Christ. Why? Because He gives us access to the wonderful grace and power and presence and peace of God. Jesus said it this way, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, the rulership of God in your life, and all these other things will be added. Sometimes we get it out of order, don't we? Especially in a Christmas season. We get it out of order. We think if we can get these things, then we'll have what we need. No. In Him is embedded everything we need. Because He bought us access to the resources of heaven. Roman, uh, Hebrews says it this way, that we can come boldly into the throne room of grace and make our needs known and find grace and mercy and help in the time of need. And I believe that's Hebrews chapter 4. About verse 12, 13, 14, somewhere through there. You can look it up if you want. You can fact check me. Sometimes it's hard for us to appreciate the gifts that are embedded in Christ. When I was, I don't know, probably nine years old, my dad was a truck driver. Every Christmas season, he would go to the bottom of the leaderboard at the trucking company. And anybody that knows anything about trucking, you realize what that means. You get whatever is left over. After those with seniority get the best loads that pay the best, that get you there and get you back, my dad was at the bottom of the leaderboard, it seems like, all the time. And every Christmas season, my family was in a financial crisis. Every Christmas. 
this one Christmas, I wanted a bicycle. I've told this story before, but it fits here so well. I wanted a bicycle. There were four or five of us kids. I, I don't really know exactly how many because so many of his children from his first marriage were running away to their mother and then coming back and running away. I wanted one of these bicycles that had the, we call them banana seats. I don't know if y'all remember these, but they had high, they were made to look like chopper motorcycles. And they had high handlebars and they had a long banana seat and you could do wheelies on them. Really easy. That's what I really wanted. I didn't even know if I was going to have Christmas, but we did. Somehow Daddy and Jesus would always find a way to come up with some kind of money and give these kids something for Christmas. I don't know how. As I look back on it now, I have no idea how this man kept coming up with money. Just hope he wasn't selling drugs anyway. I got a bicycle that Christmas, but it wasn't the one I wanted. It was an English racer, we called it. One of these tall ones with tall, skinny wheels. The inner tubes were about that big around. Had short little handlebars and a long body. I just couldn't see me jumping over ditches with that bike. But I tried. And before you know it, it was a wreck. And I remember how disappointed I was in the gift that my daddy gave me. And now I remember with regret that I couldn't appreciate the sacrifice it took to get that gift for me. I think a lot of us are just like my nine-year-old self. Because we haven't gotten exactly what we asked for, we fail to appreciate the awesome sacrifice that He gave us all the gifts He's given us. What it cost our Father and it cost Jesus. And it's time for us to deal with that. God wants to open our eyes. By the way, this is all introduction for a month's worth of sermons. I've not started preaching yet. Just so you'll know. And it is almost 11.30, so I guess I better get going. My prayer is that God will open our eyes to the magnificence of His gifts. And His gifts will reflect the God that gave them. And we will be captured by His greatness and goodness. 2 Corinthians has a scripture I think is very appropriate when we talk about our opening our eyes to what He's given. It says, But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Can you read this last sentence phrase with me? So that we may know the things freely given to us by God. What's Paul saying? He's saying that the Spirit of God wants to reveal to us 
all of the things freely given by God. That's my prayer for this message today. So now you can start your timer. I'm preaching. For the next four weeks, we're going to celebrate gifts embedded in Christ Jesus. So we're going to examine the first gift today. And it is a big one. One of my lasting memories as a child for Christmas. Some of you won't even, this won't even connect, but I'm going to say it anyway was when the new Sears and Roebuck or J.C. Penney catalog came in the mail. Now, guys, this was before the Internet. This was before uh, curbside shopping. This was before any of that. So for you little ones, I know this is hard for you to relate to. But most of us, we only went to big department stores at Christmas time. We might make it to the nearest Kmart because this was before the ascendancy of Walmart, if you can believe that. But when we got a JCPenney catalog, the kids fought over it because we wanted to go through all the latest, newest toys and we wanted to make our list for Christmas and humbly submit it to our parents because we knew that they were in the middle of Santa's business, okay? I'll just say it that way. We knew them and Santa were all up in this together. And I would make my list and I would check it twice hoping I had been nice. But can I tell you, I would have settled in a minute for this one thing. I would have settled as a nine or ten year old child. I would have settled for this gift a guarantee that my family wouldn't fall apart. Because we were living on a bubble. And it was very tenuous. As I said, my older stepbrothers would run away continually. And we'd, we'd wake up in the morning and there'd be a child missing. And there were moments when they would fight with my stepdad, their real dad, in our home. I would have settled to just know that this man and his four kids and me and my mom and my brother could just be family, really. That we could really belong together. I would have settled for that. The stress of trying to blend a family like that was intense. Could we really be a family? Everyone trying to figure out where or if they really mattered or belonged to everybody else. I have to tell you, it's a question mark that still lingers in my heart today. Even today. 
I hadn't looked at the percentages lately, but the percentage of children in America that live in a home with their biological mother and father is below 50%. It may even be around 30 to 35% if I remember the last statistics I read. And I don't quote me on that because I didn't go back and check it. As, Ameri as American historians look back on this period of American history, one of the great, one of the huge, huge issues will be the decline of the nuclear family. And because of that, Christmas time can be one of the most stressful, disappointing seasons of the year. While someone over here is full of joy and peace and goodwill to men, somebody over here is fighting off suicidal thoughts. And one of the reasons is because there's way too many people on the outside looking in. It hasn't been too long since I've talked about this issue, but I really believe that one of the great gifts that God provides for His children is the gift of becoming part of His family. why church is so essential. It's a reason that I respect a family in this church, the Mitchells. And some of you don't know their story, but how many years, Tanya, has it been since y'all started the adoption process? Three years. Three years ago, they, she encountered this girl at the school that her, their kids went to that I'll just say it this way, her family quit working. Her family was not functioning anymore. And their heart broke for this young girl and they started inquiring about the ability to adopt and they went through the arduous process and it is a process. And they had to go through the court system and. And they felt like God, it's what God wanted them to do. They already had a house full of kids. I mean, literally. But here was a young girl in ways you can't imagine was on the outside looking in. Looking into a safe place to be. Looking in on her next, looking in on people that know where their next meal's coming from. She was in a place that we would not want any of our children in. Evidently, they found out not long before Christmas that the adoption was going to go through. It would be ratified by the family court or whatever here. They knew that. And so it was about this time of year. And they decided the way they would let her know it was going to be a reality was they were going to wrap up an ornament with her name on it and give it to her. An ornament that would go on their family tree. And that's a picture of the ornament right there. What that ornament said was, Iva, you're a Mitchell. And you really belong. Raise your hand, Iva. You really belong to the Mitchell family. Amen. touches my heart. 
because I've been one of those kids that evidently wasn't wanted at some point. She opened her gift and she saw that it said, I, I had trouble reading it. What does it say? It says ad adopted or something like that, Iva. One of the greatest gifts they could ever give her. Amen. Embedded in Jesus is a gift wrapped for you. And it's another ornament. And it just says, you're now family. You see, Jesus bought this. He bought the ability for Gary Kraft to truly belong. Never alone. Never on the outside looking in anymore. I belong. I'm part of the family of God. And if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, and you've believed in Him, and you put your trust in what Jesus did by becoming a baby, and living a life and dying a death, the scripture I'm about to read tells us that you have the right to be a child of God. Good news is because of Christ, we can receive the gift of belonging to God's family. I want to read the scripture. John 1, he came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. I can see I have a But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God. Listen, not just forgiven. We forgive many people that will not be at our table at Christmas time. Amen? We forgive many people that we do not want to be around. This is more than forgiveness, this is belonging. This means you matter. This means you belong here. This means you have the name of Jesus written on your forehead in heavenly places. This means you have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. This means you are an heir and a joint heir of Jesus Christ. This means He is your elder brother. It's not just forgiveness, even though that would be magnificent all by itself. It means you belong. You have a place where you always matter. You have a place where you're never alone. You belong as family. Maybe I'll get a little more excited about it than some of you do, but that's okay. He became one of us that we might be part of His family. I want you to understand what's going on here. <clears throat> God did not need a human body. A human body was a step way down. 
when Jesus was formed and born from the womb of a virgin, it was a massive demotion. Now, we rather like being in a body until it gets sick or it gets old and it droops and it wrinkles and it aches and all that. We rather like being in a human body. But can I tell you, for the God of eternity to limit himself into a human being body for even that brief period of time was a huge sacrifice. This is before the cross ever ever started looming ahead. From the moment he was formed in Mary's womb, it was a sacrifice for Jesus. And yet, for us to truly belong to him, he had to belong to us. The only way we could ever be part of God's family was for God to become part of ours. He understands you. Because he's been there, done that, got the scars. I don't think some of us are convinced of that this morning. Oh, we know he knows everything because he's God and God knows everything. No, there's a way of knowing that only comes with having been there, done that. Amen? You can, have, you can be going on in something in your life and it be painful, and somebody that lives next to you, they've been through the same kind of thing. But can I tell you, they don't, they can't say, ever say, I know how you feel without qualification. Unless they've been through the exact same thing with the exact set of parameters and the exact set of, of past experiences and all that. The fact is, they can never say. I know exactly, precisely how you feel in every way. No one, no other human being can ever say that except this one. And he can. He can. He had to become one of us for us to ever experience becoming part of Him. Not just to take care of the sin problem, but to demonstrate a knowing by experience. Not by divine fiat, not by just divine all-knowingness. He could have done it that way, but it never would have resonated with human beings. And he knew that. So he took on a body. He felt fear. He felt anger. I didn't say he sinned. I said he felt these things. He felt disappointment. He knew betrayal like none of us will ever know betrayal. You're talking about walking in somebody's shoes? Jesus is the poster child for walking in somebody's shoes. And can I tell you, you'll never be convinced that He understands and cares 
about where you're at and what you're wrestling with until you begin to see the magnificent impact of becoming a child in the manger. Because that's where it began. It's not where it ended, but it's where it began. And that's why Christmas is so magnificent. That's why some of the, some of the grandest music that's ever been written has been written about this moment in human history. I gotta hurry, I get it. He became one of us that we might become part of his family. He became one of us. The scripture says in that John passage, it says, He became one of us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 2. He says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He did this that we might have the opportunity to become his family, like him and with him. And back to John, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Paul said it this way in Romans 8, 29. He said, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be firstborn among many brethren. The word firstborn. Some people say, well, how could God have a baby? And matter of fact, some of the Muslim arguments against Christianity is that God would have to have a wife if he had a baby. And that there's no such thing as God having offspring. But the word firstborn in the Jewish culture literally meant the one who would be given preeminence in the inheritance. Who would be given preeminence in the inheritance. You could declare your thirdborn the firstborn. When you did that, they got the lion's share of the inheritance. And so when the Bible says that Jesus was God's firstborn, He was the only one that issued out of God's very nature, and He was declared the firstborn. But the son of means in the Hebrew culture to be cut out of the same cloth. The son of perdition means that perdition characterizes you. The son of righteousness means that righteousness characterizes your life because you are like your father. So being the son of or the daughter of, the child of, means that not only are we with him in family, but we have the opportunity to become like him. And remember the two goals of this series of sermons is to be captured with a new view of our fresh view of God and to desire to be like Him. And I'm telling you, what Jesus paid for was not only to include you, but to transform you. Amen. To become more and more like Christ until you are doing and feeling and desiring and acting and valuing more and more like the other Son of God, the ultimate Son of God. <clears throat> That's part of what it means to become part of the family. He includes us and conforms us into His family. Now, I dare say that as Iva continues uh, being a part of the Mitchell clan, 
She's going to pitch up, pick up some of the Mitchell uh, customs and little sayings. And she's going to be on the inside of some Mitchell family jokes. Right? She's going to have a, a shared experience with them. And it's going to mold who she is. Amen? It's not like she's just going to be in the house and that's it. Well, now she's got, you know, three square meals and a place to sleep and blah, 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 blah. And there needs to oh, it's She's going to become a Mitchell. And so are you. No, not a Mitchell. A child of God. Part of the family. Included and transformed. Because that's the goal. It's not just to be in and have my get out of hell free card. It's more than that. We belong to Him. He wants us to experience His goodness until it permeates our character. Amen? This gift includes more than just being brought close and accepted and forgiven, but also to become like Him. I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son. There's a lot of people sitting here this morning that you've got prodigals. People in your family that are straight away from Jesus or they've never been a believer, and you're praying for them that God will bring them home and include them in the family. And you know the story of the prodigal son. I'm not going to take a long time to, to tell it. I'm just... I'm just saying, that's the heart of our Father. That story is not as much about the boy and his wayward activities and attitudes as it is about the heart of a father who just wants his boy home. I'm reminded of a story I've told before, but once again, it fits with this message so well. A, a preacher was eating dinner in a restaurant in Gatlinburg and he noticed this older man with a gray beard and gray hair and kind of a stately look to him going around table to table like he was the greeter. He was the host. And he come by and he said, hey, where are you guys from? And they told him they were from North Georgia somewhere. And he said, what do you do for a living? And the guy said, I'm a minister. And he says, oh, let me tell you a story about a preacher. And the guy rolls his eyes like, here we go again. He pulled himself up a chair and started telling a story. He said there was a little boy who grew up in these hills not far from here and he was born out of wedlock. He became an outcast from the kids in the community because they all knew that his daddy wasn't around. But his mama was a church-going woman and she would bring him to church. And every week he would go into this little mountain church and hide on the back row afraid someone would recognize him and ask him, where's his daddy at? And so he had the habit of coming in, sitting on the back row, listening and then leaving. There came a point where they got a different preacher and the preacher didn't know this boy. And one Sunday morning... He was about to make his quick exit when something happened in the back of the church. He couldn't get out the door and the new preacher caught up with him. 
And he puts his hand on his shoulder and the boy turns around frozen with fear that he was going to ask the dreaded question. And he did. Hey boy, I don't think I know you. Who's your daddy? And maybe by the Spirit of God, the minister figured out something's amiss here. He saw the look of terror on the boy's face. And he said, oh, wait a minute. I, I see the family resemblance. You're a child of my Father in heaven. And the boy's defenses just crumbled. After he finished telling that story, he just got up and he said, I was that boy. And that moment changed my life. And he walked away. And the preacher was just eaten up with, who is this guy? And he calls the waitress over and he says, who is this guy? She said, you don't know him? He said, no. She said, he's the former governor of Tennessee. The power of belonging. There's one more thing I have to say to you before we pray. We can extend belonging to other people. It's the desire of the heart of our Father that no one ever be totally alone. And I don't just mean at holidays. I mean being in. Included informed, involved, embraced. That is the heart of our Father. And He gives us the privilege to share the belonging of His family with other people. His gift of belonging comes with the privilege to share it. I just want to ask you a question this morning. Have I been willing to give that gift to someone else? He calls us to extend His family to all who will receive Him. It's part of our vision. Yeah, we took the banners down, but we're still about connecting people. It's not just a slogan. It's a mandate. It's a mandate. He who has freely received should... Okay, let's say that again because I'd like a little better response. He who has freely received should... And that includes this gift. The gift of belonging. The gift of mattering to someone besides their family, their biological family. Because you see, it's not just about me belonging to Jesus and Dale belonging to Jesus. That does something between me and Dale. Right? Now we're brothers. I mean, you're old enough to be my dad. 
But the good news is we're just brothers in the flesh, right? We're just brothers. See, Gail's my sister. Didn't she do a good job this morning? Our family's talented. Our family's talented. Amen? Our family's talented. Our family has so much to give. And we got room for all the Ivas God will send us. Don't we? Don't we have room? Look around you. There's empty seats. But this ain't just about seats. It's about hearts. It's about is there room in our hearts for more new faces? Is there room in our hearts to embrace people who have been on the outside looking in? Is there room in our schedule? Is there room in our budgets? Is there room in our circles of friendship? And my heart, you know my heart, everyone in this church needs two or three other people in this church that they can bear their heart to and know they'll be cared for and encouraged and built up and challenged and even held accountable. Everyone in this church needs that, but we gotta be willing to give that not just receive that. Can I tell you this? There, your loved one may not ever be saved if you don't start focusing on giving family to people that are within your reach. Maybe you can't reach your family member, but you can reach out to somebody and God will send somebody to reach your family member. We've got to learn to give this gift away. It's too great a gift. It's too needed. It's too important. It's too life-changing not to extend this gift to other people. Listen, I get it. I, I got enough personal issues in my family and whatever. Got enough personal issues that I don't need anybody else's issues to have to hold. Neither did Jesus have to come and take on the burdens of the world. He did. But He did it because He loved. Amen? If you freely received, we need to be willing to freely give. And that just means including people in our circles. It means being willing to pray for people that they may not even know you're praying for them. That means caring when your care mechanism is about worn out. But God will give you grace. He'll give you grace to be like Him and reach and include and give people this gift of belonging. How do you give this gift? By acknowledging others' presence, appreciating their value, by making room for their giftings, by serving them in time of need, by making room for them to tell their story, by including them at your table, by praying for them.
when I was about 19 years old. I came home from college for Christmas. It was my two weeks of the whole school year I could see my family because I didn't have the money to go back and forth from Missouri. I came home one Christmas and my stepdad's dad, who was in his 80s, had driven from Auburn, Alabama to be at Christmas with us. And he had a guest with him. Some guy picked up on the side of the road and he's sitting at our Christmas table that day. And can I tell you, I'm ashamed of it today, but I resented it. I just wanted it to be family. I just wanted it to be us. And here's this guy, we gotta accommodate. And the Holy Spirit just started working on my heart. I was ashamed of my attitude. I was ashamed that I evidently missed the meaning of Christmas. And I'm in Bible college. That's not good. That's not a good combination. And I had to repent and embrace this guy. This world is full of those guys. This world is full of those guys and those girls. Can you pray with me today that that God would show us ways to offer belonging to people that need it. Would you do that? Would you stand with me? Are we about to sing the song, I Belong? Yeah, His Gift of Belong. We're going to sing Belong. Can we sing that? I just want you to just, they're going to sing and I just want you to pray between you and God. God, show me ways. Go ahead. thank you for the gift of belonging. We thank you that you've made us not just clean and forgiven, but accepted in the beloved, included in the family. We've become heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We thank you. Now, Lord, we pray 
that we would not only truly value our belonging to you, but we would value our belonging to one another. And that, Father, we would pray for, look for, work for ways to bring others into this family. God, those that we only know by face, but we don't yet know by name, I pray you would give us the courage to just go ask their name. And maybe give them a chance to tell their story and show them that they're valued. Lord, may we do that not only within this building, but outside this building with those we will encounter today. Father, help us extend the gift of belonging to others this Christmas season in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen, 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 amen. If you're here today and you're not a believer and you know you need to accept Christ as your Savior and forgive your sins, you've not done that, I'm going to stand right here for a moment and I'm not going to come hug on you because some of you will freak you out. So since i got a raspy voice, but I do love you. Hopefully you signed up for the Christmas party and we'll see you there tonight. God bless you. Merry Christmas.